God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Today's December 31st, 2023. This is the end of our 18th year pastoring this church. Starting tomorrow, we start our 19th year. We've come a long way. First, consist, first year and a half, we were consistent four. And Debbie and I being half of that four. But as uh, a minister told me many years ago, I was talking, talking with him and talking about how frustrated I was that people would come in the door and say how wonderful it was. They couldn't wait to come back, and then they never come back. And he said, are you sure God told you to be there? I said, absolutely. He said, then you go to, you have three Sundays in a row when no one shows up but you and your wife. Then you can ask God if he's changed his mind. Until then, be faithful. The very next Sunday, it was the two of us, and I said, that's one. And it's been the only one. Eighteen years, there's only been one Sunday with just the two of us. There have been a couple of days, it looks like there was just going to be two of us, and just as we're getting ready to pray and walk out the door, someone else would come in and we'd have service. But God has been faithful. The word, uh, as I said, we record our messages and they go up online. We have people listening throughout the nation. Um, old Navy buddies of mine, uh, my family, friends, uh, some of our snowbirds. Jackie's down in uh, Lampasas, Texas. She gets to listen to this. The word's gone forth. And uh, just before I retired, which I've been retired five, five years, Deb, It's good to have a spare brain. I've been retired for five years. The, my last day at work, one of the women I knew at work, young girl, beautiful girl, could have been a model, beautiful girl. She comes up to me and says, you know, I was listening to one of your messages the other day, and it just floored me. God is working in ways we don't understand. He's working in ways we didn't expect. I certainly, that completely shocked me that she had looked up and went and gone to the website and found one of the, and listened to one of the messages. We don't know what God is doing except to say that God is at work and he's at work stirring in the hearts of people. And we don't know what it's going to take or how it's going to affect someone else's life. But we know that God sees the end from the beginning, and God doesn't waste anything. All that being, being said, I want to talk this morning, and the question on the front of the bulletin is, are you still celebrating? See, last week, Christmas Eve, as we had service, Christmas Eve morning, and I talked about how the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is something we should celebrate each and every day. It's not something you just celebrate one day a year. If God has touched and changed your heart, it's something to rejoice in every day. And what has God done? In Luke 2, and we read this last week, but just a few verses that we read last week, Luke 2, beginning with verse 8, 
And I'm sorry, the last couple of weeks I've been going, getting in early and, and writing the, what page number on the Pew Bible the uh, verses are. And I didn't do it this morning, and I didn't remember that I didn't do it until we were halfway through the third song. So it tells you how I'm doing this morning. Luke 2, beginning with verse 8, is where the angels have, have uh announced the birth of Jesus. Verse 8 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This good news the angel proclaimed was going to be good tidings of great joy to all people. In other words, this is good news not just to the people that heard it right then, right there, but it's good news to us today. That there was a Savior born in the city of David, Jesus, Christ the Lord, the Savior that God sent to redeem our lives from destruction. Everything about the life of Jesus is something to celebrate, not just 2,000 years ago, not just December 25th, but each and every day of our life. Because if Jesus hadn't come, we would have no Savior. If we had no Savior, there's no way to come before a holy God. When I was in Israel many years ago, uh, I was talking with... Uh, talking with a, a Jewish man, we're talking, and we're talking about this, I said, what do you do with sin? How do you address your sin? I said, God gave the law about a sacrifice, but you have no temple. Well, you had the temple, you had the high priest making the sacrifice, the atonement for the people. But now there is no temple. There's been no temple for 2,000 years. What do you do? In the, in the Day of Atonement, they would take uh, and they would have two goats. The scapegoat, which that's where that comes from, the scapegoat and the other goat. And the, the, the other goat was offered as a sacrifice for sin. And then all the sins, the, they would take the scapegoat and lay their hands on it and confess the sins of the people. And then send it out to the wilderness and set it free. It was, it was gone. But they had a way of confessing their sin. They had a sacrifice for sin. It says in the book of Leviticus, when you realize you've done something that's wrong, of course, that's the real New English translation, you know, putting it in modern language. When you realize you've done something that's against the law, when you realize you've broken God's law, there was a sacrifice when you came to the realization that you had sinned, that you had fallen short. Now, what do you do? Without Jesus, without having this propitiation for our sin, this forgiveness that comes from God's perfect sacrifice in our life, without having that, what do you do with sin? If we have no way of dealing with it, just the weight tends to weigh on and bury us. But Jesus came to redeem our lives from destruction. He came to pay the price. That is something to celebrate not one day a year, that is something to celebrate every day. That is something to celebrate every moment. 
No matter what our circumstances, no matter what we're facing, it's worth celebrating what God has done on our behalf. I don't know about you. I know I should have been dead. There have been many times I almost died. Yet I'm here because God has a plan. Do I know exactly what it looks like? Absolutely not. But I know as long as I'm breathing, as long as I'm standing in front of you, as long as I have breath within me, I have reason to rejoice from what God has done. Isaiah 52, beginning with verse, or actually not beginning with, Isaiah 52, verse 7, says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says in Zion, your God reigns. Do we declare what great things God has done for us? Do we tell other people that God can touch and change lives? I hope we do. Because God has done things worth bragging about. God redeems lives from destruction. I contest to that. God changes people's lives completely. I can attest to that. I can say there is no one so messed up that God can't work in their lives. Because he worked in mine. Because he's taken who I was and changed me completely. I was a very bitter, angry, sarcastic, nasty person. Um, those that have been around for a while have heard me say this a lot. Back after my father passed, we went down to Florida for uh, his uh, celebration of life, a memorial service for him. And uh, we'd taken our camper down, and we got there a day early, and we couldn't get into the campground that, that day. So we spent the night at the Walmart in the county seat of the little town we were in. While we're there, one of my cousins is in line. And her and Debbie were talking while I was going up to the customer service counter. And she was talking about how I pastor a church in Vermont and my next brother down was pastoring a church in Florida. And she just starts shaking her head. Deb says, what? He says, she says, you don't understand. When I was growing up, they was the heathen. We were the ones, we were the bad example. Don't be like them. I used to have a t-shirt that says, I'm the one your mother warned you about. Okay. I was messed up. Put that in context. I messed up now, but boy, you should have seen me back in the day. But God had a plan, and God redeems people's life from destruction. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news. Let me tell you what God can do in people's lives. I know because he's changed mine. I know because I've seen him at work. I know because I have a brother that for 35 years was never sober if he wasn't in jail. And in one day, God got a hold of him and he laid everything down and began ministering the gospel. God can touch and turn things around instantly. God can change people's lives. He doesn't always do it instantly. He doesn't always break addictions instantly. But sometimes he does. And there is nothing too hard for my God. But I know he doesn't waste anything. Because even uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, those of you, many of you familiar with her, Johnny Erickson Tata at 17, I believe it was, went swimming and she dove in and broke her neck. And she has been in a, hot, in a wheelchair She's been a, a quadriplegic since she was 17, and she's 
mid-70s now and writes books and paints with a paintbrush or a pencil in her teeth but ministers the gospel and early on she was uh, saying God why'd you do this to me why'd you allow this to happen and she sees now many years later that God has used her to influence the lives of other people that she wouldn't have been able to influence had she been on four legs walking around or two legs and two hands had she not been a, yeah had she not been a quadriplegic God can use us in circumstances. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know that my God doesn't waste anything. Luke 10, starting with verse 17. Before I do that, in Ecclesiastes, and we're not going there, there's a verse that says, keep your feet when you enter into the house of God and be more ready to listen than to give the sacrifice of fools. For God is in heaven and you're on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And what that verse means to me is I want to know what God's word says more than I want to hear what comes out of Andrew's mouth. I want to know how the, what the word of God says. And if I rely on the word of God, God Jesus said to Jesus was praying about, and about the disciples, and he said, Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is true, and God's word will permeate and enter into the hearts of men and do what is said to do. It says in Hebrews, the word of God is living and active, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word, when we look at it, reflects what's actually going on inside so that we can examine and say, Lord, thank you, Father, for your grace in this area. Thank you, Father, that I really need a whole lot more grace in this area, whatever the case happens to be. But God's word is what reveals who we are. Getting back to this, Luke 10, verse 17. Jesus had sent out 70 uh, Disciples, and he sent them out to cast out demons and to heal people and to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to impact the lives of the people to the cities round about. Verse 17, And when the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to, you, to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Are we still celebrating what the Lord has done on behalf? Not our circumstances, but are we celebrating the fact that God has redeemed our lives from destruction? That my name is written in heaven? Do we celebrate the great and wonderful mercy of God that takes messed up people and changes us? Are we still celebrating? This should be a celebration of each and every day. In Psalm 68, beginning with verse 1. David writing says, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. 
Let those who hate the Lord flee before him as smoke is driven away. So drive them away. And as wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let him rejoice before God. Let's, yes, let them sing praises exceedingly. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Jah, Yah, and rejoice before him. The psalmist says, rejoice in what God has done. Now we recognize that we don't come before God having our own righteousness. Because as good as I am, I messed up. But I come before a holy God having the righteousness of Jesus. Not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done. It says in Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 12, it says, when you claim his soul as a sacrifice for sin, he that is the father looks down and sees him, Jesus, standing in our stead sees the suffering of his soul and is satisfied. We stand before a holy God and he looks down and sees Jesus. He doesn't see my failures and my shortcomings as I come before a holy God. He sees me perfected because of what Jesus has done on my behalf. My sins are forgiven. My transgressions have been far removed. His righteousness is imparted to me. His righteousness is imparted to you. We stand before a holy God clothed in the righteousness of Jesus because he's what he's done on our, our behalf. I think that's something to celebrate. I think that's something to rejoice in. I think there should be joy in our lives in each and every day because of that. Regardless to our circumstances, regardless to what's going on around us. Uh, continues on. Continuing on, verse 5, says, As the father of the fatherless and a defender of widows is God in the holy mountains. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. How has God blessed you? What has God done in your life? It's worth rejoicing. It's worth praising Him for. It's worth celebrating. We celebrate the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus each and every day because God fulfilled his word and made the way to redeem our lives from destruction. But we knew it was coming. Well, we didn't know it was coming because we didn't come, until, come along until after it had already happened. But Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in my flesh, I will see him. He will stand on the earth in the last days and my eyes will behold him. My eyes and not another. Job knew that there was coming a redeemer. Job's, when he declared that, he's lost his family, he's lost his wealth, he's lost everything he had. He has a wife telling him to curse God and die. He's got friends talk, sitting around him telling him how messed up and how miserable he is. And he says, but I know my redeemer lives. Know that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we're facing, God loves us. God is at work. He has declared it. He has shown it. And he's been at work in our lives. Deb, skip down to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life through des from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth in, with good things, so that your youth be renewed like the eagles. Again, David, as a, as a psalmist, reminding him, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What has God done in our lives? We should rehearse it. We should go through it. We should give testimony of what God has done. All through, all through the Old Testament, they'll talk about pillars of testimony. They'll talk about setting things up. This is where God did this. When, they, uh, when the children of Israel came, came through the flooded Jordan, God stopped the waters and they came through the Jordan. They picked up 12 stones out of the bed of the river. And as they came across onto dry land, into the promised land, they built an altar and they set it up. This is a pillar of testimony where God brought us through. All through the Old Testament, there you'll find situations where they set up a marker. This is where God did this. Do we do that in our own lives? Do we, uh, whether we jot it down in a book or just points of memory? Pillars of testimony in our own lives. What has God brought you through? How has God shown himself faithful? Because I guarantee you cannot find a time where God did not show himself faithful. You'll find times where God didn't do what you thought he should or work it out the way you wanted it worked out. But you won't find any place where God was not faithful because God is faithful in all of his ways. Do we set up these pillars of testimony? Do we these these, these points of remembrance that we can look back on. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. God has shown himself mighty in so many different ways in our lives. The fact that we're breathing air right here today proves that God has been with you. Final passage, we'll go to Habakkuk 3, verse 17. I had a, a couple that were with us years ago. And when they left, one of the things he said as a justification for him leaving was, I tend to say the same thing a lot. God redeemed my life from destruction. I give praise to him. I give testimony to what God has done. Hopefully you do as well. Give testimony to what God has done. Because he has been faithful in all of his ways. And sometimes sharing that same thing, sharing those things that, you know, I talk about, talked about my cousin. That blesses me so much. I had been in Vermont a few months short of 26 years. To the best of my knowledge, there is no one in this state that has known me longer than that, including my wife. I met her when I came up here. We weren't married at the time, obviously, if we met her then. 
But to have somebody that knew me from way back when say, God has changed you is a testimony and it's a blessing of what God has done in my life. And I will forever praise Him for what He has done. I praise Him that I am not the person that I used to be. But a faithful God worked and wanted me and called me. I was 12 years old when God called me to preach. I was in a... Some of you have heard this before. I was in a sugar cane field. Down in South Florida, we put out hand lines to catch soft-shell turtles. Soft-shell turtles up here are cute little things like this here. But down in Florida, they're eating size. And we were trying to catch some turtles. And I was going down to check a hand line. And in doing so, beating through the, the tall grass to get down there, I was bitten by a cottonmouth moccasin. Cottonmouth moccasin is one of the deadly snakes in North America. A very aggressive snake, as a matter of fact. And as I pulled up my hand with a four-foot deadly snake hanging from my hand, I knew help could not get to me in time to save my life. I had my younger brother and my much younger cousin with me, and I sent them to get help. While I'm there, sitting on this dirt road next to the irrigation ditch on one side and a sugarcane field on the other side, while I'm there, I see the color fade out of everything, so there's just, just outlines. Then I see the outlines fade till there was just light. And I heard a voice say, I've called you to preach my word. And everything faded back in. It was 45 minutes before help got to me. When my father got there, I was fine. I have a small scar on my, on my hand. That's the only mark from it on the outside. But it changed my life. Now that didn't mean that I was right off perfect serving God. I was coming into puberty. And finally at 17, I walked out of a church because even though I was standing in the pulpit and preaching, my life was not right before God. And I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to change it. And I walked out because I refused to be a hypocrite. I refused to live the way that I was living and pretend to be a Christian. I couldn't do it. And for 16 years, in 16 years I was in church one time. That one time was when my then ex-wife wanted me to go to church. I went and after the service the preacher comes up and talks about how he's so glad I'm here. I said, I'm only here to keep peace in my house. She never asked me to go to church again. Until finally one day I'd made such a mess of my life that walking on the backside of a golf course in Mare Island, California, just north of San Francisco, on a Navy base, I'm walking down this golf course. And I'd, I'd made a mess. My marriage was falling apart. My life was falling apart. I was stupid drunk. I was in danger each and every day. I was going to school learning how to work on the, you know, the old war movies, the great big radar sweeps you see on the ships. I was learning how to work on those. There's 94,000 volts in there. And I'm in there, and you basically have to put your body in it to get to all the points. I'm doing that hungover. 
I said, God, this is stupid. I said, God, I've always known you're real, but I never knew how to live for you. And I've made such a mess of my life, I can't do anything with it. If you can do anything with it, it's yours. And it was just like God was right there with open arms and wrapped me in his arms. January 17th, 1993. I remember the day. I know where I was. God changed my life. Pillar of testimony. What has God done? It is worth celebrating each and every day. I am not the person that I used to be. Now we'll go to this final passage, Habakkuk 3, starting with verse 17. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me to walk on my high hills. To the chief musician with my stringed instrument. Though nothing seemed to be going right, I will worship the Lord. I will celebrate, sing unto the Lord a new song. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation because He is the God of my salvation. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Father, that you have redeemed our lives from destruction. Thank you, Father, that you have a plan and a purpose. And even if we don't understand, even if things seem to be going wrong, we know that you are still God and still worthy to be praised. And just because we don't see the answer doesn't mean it's not already on the way. Just like Daniel praying and he's praying and he's praying and finally uh, the angel shows up and says, from the very first day you started, I was on my way to the answer, but I was delayed until Michael showed up and helped me with the, uh, the prince of Persia, helped me with the, the deep demonic forces that were holding me back. From the very first day, the answer was sent. God, you know what's coming. You know what's ahead for each and every one of us in our lives. And we know, Father, that you have us engraved in the palm of your hands and nothing comes into our life that doesn't come through with your permission, doesn't come through with also having that promise that you will cause all things to work together for good. So we know, Father, that this life is short. It's temporary. All of our days are written in the book. But we have eternity with you because of what Jesus did. We will celebrate. We will rejoice. We will joy in the, glad of, in the God of our salvation. We give you praise, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.